Welcome to episode 150 of Coffee Pods and Mods. As always, this episode is sponsored by Rain Body Fuel's ultimate fitness focus drink to support your performance. And the Hybrid Academy are also on board offering you a discount on their site with the code PODS10. You can go to the hybridacademy.store to avail of that discount. They've got t-shirts, shorts, socks, sliders, sweatshirts, and I heard that hoodies might be on the way back soon as well. Um, their gear is easily the best quality clothing i've had for training and just general wearing aboutness uh birdboxcoachdevelopment.com will help develop a coach in a personal sense through self-discovery while learning academically about the psychological side of coaching and you can use the code pods for 20 percent off that and you can use the same code pods for 20 percent off the gymnastics course if you get in touch with them uh, this week's guest is Ben Smith. We chat about moving around as a military family growing up, settling in Virginia and starting cross with Krypton, uh, winning the games and the shift in mindset that it took that year, uh, losing training partners and the difference it makes having them back, as well as coaching Laura Horvath to second place at the games this year and their shared aspirations for 2022. Enjoy, listen, share and tag. Thanks so many for doing this, first of all. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time out. Yeah, of um, course. This has been a long time coming on my end. Um, it's great. This is really exciting for me. Um, it's like when you're fishing and you catch like a big fish and you've like you've seen it for a few days, knocking around, and then you finally get in the boat. Um, you're in uh, Virginia, Virginia, is that right? Chest- Chesapeake, Virginia, right near Virginia Beach on the coast. Oh, that's cool. And um, what's the what's the coffee scene like there? Is coffee like a a big a big thing in Virginia? Uh, depends on who you are. I got a buddy that runs a coffee shop right down the street. So okay. all, he's all into some coffee, you know, um, is but he then like I a handy person? Could, then is he like caught up in the morning with stuff? He, uh, so he roasts his own coffee here, okay. um, gets the beans from, I believe it's Columbia and then brings them here, roasts them and then sells them. But he's got a little coffee shop down at the, uh, the brewery down the street. They like kind of partner up. That's so cool. yeah, there's some people around here that are real into coffee, but I just, are, are you I'll, dr- I'll drink whatever. I'm not one of them. Dr- I drink coffee every day, but I don't care what it tastes like. Do you drink it like a, as a ritual thing or as like a pre-workout, like for fuel? Just to wake up. Okay. I drink it for the caffeine. Yeah. And, um, do you, I, I was actually, so when someone comes on or agrees to come on, my first thing I do is I go to like iTunes or Spotify or whatever. And I search their name and see like, who else did they talk to? What did they talk about? Like, you know, are, are they going to be like painfully awkward with me or will they be okay? Um, so you like, I expected to see like hundreds of episodes. I suppose because you've been around so long, I was like, well, he probably does like, you know, at least like 10 a year. And then he probably gets asked to do like loads, probably does like 10 a year. There's probably like, it's bound to be a hundred episodes there. But there's like surprisingly thin on the ground, like podcast episodes that you've done. And as just as I was walking up the stairs to come into the room, I you had added to your story on Instagram. I clicked on. It. I was like, "Oh, he's done a podcast episode." I was like, "Yeah, really that was a to podcast with a friend here at the gym." Yeah, okay, that's so cool. he he goes here at the gym. He's got a business, a uh, local business, and wanted to sit down and talk. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't do too many, but uh, I've actually never looked up. But podcasts kind of just recently started to be a new thing. You know, yeah. everybody's getting into podcasts, and I guess they they happen more often now than in the past. But in the past, not many people have done them. Have you like Have you got a reluctance to do them, or are you like? is like sharing kind of parts of yourself, something that you enjoy doing, or is it like, would you rather kind of, I don't know, like let your work speak for itself kind of thing. I'd rather probably let my, what I do speak for itself, but I'm, you know, I'm more reserved, quiet kind of guy. And I got my close friends and, you know, that's kind of who I like talking to, but I'd be mm-hmm. more than happy to sit down and talk to anybody who wants to have a conversation. So, yeah. 
Well, I'm, I'm, more proud, open I'm proud to, to be now, part of probably. that circle of close friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very close friends. <laughs> we go way back, like eight minutes. Um, yeah. do, do you listen to other podcasts? Um, yeah, I mean, I listen to a lot of, uh, I listen to a lot of YouTube, Joe Rogan stuff, uh, some Jordan Peterson podcasts, some Jocko Willing podcasts, things like that. So like separate, like, uh, I suppose like not work, like not coaching or CrossFit or that kind of stuff. No, no, not, not normally CrossFit podcasts. I, I get enough of CrossFit. <laughs> and what brings you back then? So is it like, is it say the variety of Rogan or is it like Rogan the host or is it like, do you look for a specific people that are on shows or is it about the host that brings you back kind of? Uh, more of the subject. Okay. Yeah. The subject or the people that are on it, or if I find the, the topic interesting. And is there, so I know like Joe Rogan can be divisive uh, or like Marmite, you know, like you either, people either really like him or really mm-hmm. don't like him. And then I suppose mm-hmm. some people like dip in and out. Is there like, are there episodes where you'd see, say a subject that you're interested in and then start listening and be like, oh, I don't know if I can listen to this person talking about this thing that I'm interested in. Uh, no, I normally, I'm pretty open. So, and I think that's what Joe does such a good job of. He's very open and he can relate to whoever he's talking to. Yeah. And not a lot of people are like that. Not a lot of people are, are very good at having conversations with people that maybe they disagree with or people that are on the opposite spectrum, you know, politically or, or whatever subject it might be. And he does a good job at that. And it's interesting to watch him converse and be able to have those conversations. So mm-hmm. I like that too. I just, I find that interesting. Just listening to people have, be able to have conversations now. Did you watch the when Matt Fraser was on with him? I did. Yeah. What did you think? Yeah. What did I think? I thought it was pretty cool that, you know, CrossFit was able to be represented on something like that. But um, yeah, it was a good, good conversation. Yeah. I heard, I heard Rogan say he tried to get rich and was like, I think it was before Matt was on. He was like on the cusp of uh-huh. getting him on. And then it just kind of, I don't know, fizzled out or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it is interesting. I think, yeah. There's a lot of stuff taken out of context, I thought. Like a lot of, I kind of feel like sometimes Joe has a habit of like pursuing lines of questioning until he gets like a soundbite that will be useful or until he gets like an answer closer <laughs> to the answer that he wants. Like I felt like he asked Matt okay. a lot of the same question in different ways, but, you know, looking, he seemed to be looking for a specific outcome of the answer. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know, I thought like, a lot of people took stuff that Matt said out of context or, or like as a literal, like, Oh, he said this, therefore he thinks that. Whereas I think like, well, no, he said this because he was asked about this. He wasn't asked about that other stuff that you're getting annoyed about. He was just asked mm-hmm. about this one aspect of it. So mm-hmm. yeah, it is, that's it is the cool thing about podcasts, you know, is that you can listen to the whole thing yeah. and you, you don't like even if there is a five minute clip and somebody tries to take it out of context, you're like, Hey man, go look at the rest of the hour. You know, it might look a little different than what yeah. you think it is, you know? And it's, and you don't have to make assumptions outside of it. You can just ask the question. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you ask the same question in different ways, it might just be a way of like getting different, uh, getting a different perspective of the same idea, which helps you understand the person a little bit better. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought it was interesting how, I think it was Castro put a post up about it or something. And there was loads of people commenting, like really pissed off. 
And then well, Castro loves that controversy. Oh, you know? like just so, drop I mean, a grenade chance... and walk away. Yeah, he yeah, told yeah. me once I interviewed him and he told me that after it goes past like 10 comments, he just doesn't read anything anymore. And it's like it goes up to like 5,000. And it's like, you I know, mean, how, just how a, can you? It's like a brawl. And he's just like, no, I don't know what happened. I just passed a comment and walked away. It's like I sometimes I just open the door, throw in a grenade and leave. Like so. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think a lot of people were like, oh, it's fucking bullshit. Like they were getting real pissed off. And then like people would reply to their comment and be like, did you listen to like, did you watch the whole thing? And they're like, no, I don't need to watch it. I know exactly what he says. And it's like, well, yeah. you know, there's yeah. some nuance in there. Like, you know, I think. It, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, So I was looking up uh, doing my diligent research and um, you played baseball and football when you were growing up. Um, Base- Baseball mostly. Yeah. And like the way I understood it, I don't know a lot about baseball, um, mm. but the way I understood it is you were like, you know, there was serious consideration about like it being a career. Is that fair? Um, and that's obviously what I want. I mean, that's the goal of somebody who goes to college, let's say to play normally is to take to the furthest level they can. So that was what I wanted to do at the time. Didn't quite pan out. And I kind of switched over to CrossFit uh, yeah. and that seemed to work out very well. <laughs> um, Is it true that your dad uh, showed you CrossFit first? Like he introduced you to it? The CrossFit.com, he showed me the website and uh, they didn't have gyms when I started. People can't, I don't think people know that, but they had like two affiliates. One of them was in Santa Cruz and the other one was somewhere right by it. And uh, I just followed the CrossFit.com workout of the day. The videos, Greg Glassman was post, the the instructional videos, uh, the different like benchmark workouts that they would do over there and just did the workout of the day as often as I could. And back then it was like, I could do one workout and then I would have to rest for a day or two. And then I could do another workout, you know, and it was just, you have to ease your way into it. Yeah. And you're like, your whole family is like mega active. So like, even just like the three, the three of you guys with your, like, you know, you've got CrossFit careers, uh, like a competitive CrossFit career, um, each, um, like, is, is that a familial thing? Like, is that like, was that instilled early on? Um, cause even like you're, you're the three of you are involved in coaching and you know, the gym and like, you've, you've all got these different hats, I guess you, you got the competitor yeah. and you've got, uh, you know, the coach as well. Is that like, obviously I'm assuming fitness was important in the house growing up, but then like the importance of, I suppose, like passing that on as well. So, I mean, my, my, uh, my parents were always, you know, very active. They both played sports. Um, my dad really enjoyed the training part and he was military. So they did a lot of this, you know, PT style, like CrossFit intervals. Um, and he was always on the, he was always that guy that liked the weightlifting side of things like the training, the weightlifting, the calisthenics. He always would run military, the military PT, wherever he was at, whatever he would base, he was stationed at. Uh, and then my brother did Alec did gymnastics and all kinds of other sports. And then Dane played baseball, soccer, um, football. And, uh, and so we were always playing sports. We were always very competitive. We always liked, uh, we always were, you know, challenged. Like my dad would throw out like little challenges whenever we had a pull-up bar around or like we'd be, Alec, we'd be doing handsprings across the baseball field. And while I'm taking BP and Dane's running around doing something, you know, so it's just, we were always very active. It was always really fun. We, we just had a good time and, uh, CrossFit showed up and it seemed to be something that I really gravitated towards. And then slowly Alec got involved into it and then for different reasons, you know, and then 
and then Dane just kind of grew up into it and he happened to be really good at it. And uh, it's just been, I don't know, it's just been something that we've naturally gravitated towards just because we love fitness. We love working out. We love the challenge. Uh, we love competition. It just seemed like a natural fit. And are, is it always healthy competition between you? Like growing up, was yeah. there like any? No, I mean, like... no, we always, we fought about a lot, but yeah, um, just, you know, the typical all right, who can run faster, who can do more of this or whatever it is, you know? So, yeah, it always starts out with like, who's taller and then escalates. Yeah. Into, like, yeah, yeah. Well, you might be taller, but I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and then CrossFit comes around. It's like, all right, you can do all of these things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm assuming you can hold that over the two of them for the foreseeable future. Anyway, it's going to take me a while to rack up like 10, uh, 10 years or 11 years each. So you can just like keep holding that over them, like no matter what they do. Um, I spoke to Adam Plink recently um, and he mentioned, you actually alluded to it there as well, that you're both uh, military families. Um, so were you, he moved around like a fair bit when he was like quite young. Were you similar? Did you like, were you, did you grow up in Virginia or were you moving around a good bit first and settled there eventually? Yeah, we moved around probably eight or nine, maybe more, eight or nine times before I was in high school. And then we settled down here in Virginia and my dad retired and then we just stayed. So I went through high school here. Uh, I went through, went to college right in the area. And then we just, I got the gym here now after college and we love it here. And like, I just can't imagine moving around that much. Like constantly. I loved it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't like it at the end because it started to get like when you're in high school age, like, you know, yeah. you leave all your friends and then you have to go pick up and move somewhere else. And it got pretty annoying, but, um, I, I enjoyed it and I think it gave you a good perspective on the world and lets you see a bunch of different people, a bunch of different places. Um, Were all your locations in the States? We lived in Singapore for two years as well. Oh, cool. That's so cool. that was, that was our overseas trip. Went to Australia a couple of times once, twice. Yeah. Something like that. And would you ever, um, did you know how long you were going to be somewhere when you arrived there? Were you like, okay, Ben, this is going to be three months, so don't settle in. Or, okay, this is going to be two years, so bed yourself in for a while. He usually knew. And it was somewhere between like, I think the shortest we lived somewhere was like eight or nine months. And the longest was like three or four years. Yeah. So it varied. It was normally about one to two years, something like that. Yeah. But it was good to be able to, like as a kid, to be able to make friends. And, and it was always sports that, that helped you kind of get into a group, you know? Um, so for us, it was always like, Hey, you move to a new town, you play a sport. And then the people on the team were your friends, Yeah, you know? And it's like, that was an easy way to get into different places. And that's why it worked out so well for us, I think. And that's why yeah. we really like sports too. Yeah. I suppose nine months is a, quite a stretch, especially when you're a kid. I was thinking like, if you move town, you could like invent a new persona and like, <laughs> but then you'd have to remember it for nine months. So it's a bit shitty. <laughs> I mean, if you wanted to play that game, you could. Yeah, we were in nine months. We were in uh, Gainesville, Florida. My dad was going through grad school at the time. And we lived in like this little tiny two bedroom apartment where with all like all three of us always slept in the same room. That was fun. And yeah. then, but that was good. We were on there for like eight or nine months. And then we moved somewhere else. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so you started CrossFit. Uh, was that like as conditioning then with baseball and then you gravitated towards it afterwards? Or was it like after baseball had finished? Yeah, I had been, so I've been doing weightlifting and training and stuff with, for baseball, right? Yeah. Like as much as you do in a typical weight room and gym class or whatever it is, but then CrossFit came out and 
I just, I really loved it because, you know, I always thought if you wanted to be good, if you wanted to be great at your sport, you had to be doing something a little bit differently. You had to work a little bit harder than somebody else. You had to take on that challenge or whatever it is. And CrossFit just provided that. Hmm. And it was like in a different, it was a different methodology than we had seen before. Like we'd never seen, uh, nobody's ever combined all of these skills and, uh, you know, methods together into one thing. And I thought it was really cool. And I thought it was true and pretty, pretty, uh, it worked pretty well. Yeah. So and it was fun. And Krypton then was that like out of a necessity of the fact that there wasn't really anywhere around, or like how did that come into existence? Uh, so I graduated uh, 2012 from Old Dominion University here, and I had a degree in mechanical engineering, and I had no idea what I wanted to do. <laughs> um, and so I graduated, and during those four years of college, I went to the games each year. So for all four years, I went to the games each year and, you know, I had been training people during those summers at, in my parents' garage at home. And, uh, I really loved it. And I had seen how much of an impact CrossFit had on people's lives and especially, you know, people close to me and people in the community. Had you had and, one or was it just like your own kind of version yeah. of, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, I just wanted to, I wanted to follow that path, you know, and I felt just felt like I felt called that this is what I should do. This is where I could have the most impact, be the most successful and do something that I love to do. So I uh, went that route and, you know, I, we started over in the building next door with like 2000 square feet and uh, set up a schedule of classes. I showed up to every class to coach and people just kept coming, you know, and it was like the games really helped. Uh, you know, the fact that I was competing at the games consistently really helped bring people in and, you know, built the name. The name was pretty cool, CrossFit Krypton. Yeah. And uh, and now it's just, a, you know, a thriving community that it's just a special place to me and to everybody here, I think. And can you remember, like, the first few weeks? Like, because I'm assuming in your garage, if you have, or in your parents' garage, if you have, like, five people, it's pretty wedged. Like, it's pretty, you know, you're stuck for space. Whereas when you move, yeah. then if it's only those five people that are following you, because, you know, like it takes a while for news to filter around and stuff. Were there days at the start of like, oh, shit, like this is going to be more difficult than I thought? Uh, no. So we so my parents live on a cul-de-sac. And so we would just overflow and spill into the cul-de-sac. And so we had pl we had plenty of space there, kind of. The bathroom was the problem. It was people running in and out. And my parents were like, hey, this has got to stop. We got to go somewhere else. So, yeah. Um, no, I don't. We never had a problem. We always had someone. We always had like classes were somewhere between one and five people when we started, you know, mm. and um, it varied based off the day. But it just steadily it just steadily grew. And, um, you know, I always said, if you care about everybody that comes in the door, like they're your family member, you're trying to help them, whatever their goals might be, like you're going to be successful in your business. And you, you know, you, you take care of them and you have good, effective programming and all of that. Right. So, yeah, it's just been consistent and fun. No, I haven't had, I haven't had the oh crap moment or anything like that. Yeah. And then, like, what about the other side of it then, where if you're scheduling classes and it's just you and you're coaching all the classes, like, was there a flip side then of like maybe not being worried about like, oh, can I make it work? Or was there, more worry of like oh can i do this much work like can i consider and then if you've already been to the games four times and assuming aiming for a fifth time at that time mm -hmm. you know how can i do all these classes fuel myself train myself and then keep 
like it's a lot of place to spend, I guess. Oh yeah. I mean, but you know, as you, as you grow, you have more responsibilities. Like now we have, now I have a daughter, my wife, right. And the gym, the business, the programming, my training, like it just adds up. Right. Back then there wasn't, there weren't that many things to worry about. So, you know, it helps. And it's like one of those moments in your life where you are working really hard towards something where you're very focused. And then you look back and you're like, how did I do all that? I couldn't do that now. Mm. It's a similar, it's a similar kind of feel with that. But, but yes, there's definitely times where like, I can't, I can't remember my name if you know it wasn't my birthday if it was nobody told me about it kind of thing like I'm just I'm just out of it I'm very focused on training I'm very focused on coaching and it's definitely busy but I mean you you just get it done you just kind of get through it yeah um you took on Adam then as a coach when he finished like college and soccer and stuff yeah and... yeah he came back for the summer and I uh, was looking for you know I was like hey what are you doing I don't know probably gonna try to get like a coaching job somewhere like at a probably like a sports team or something so you want to coach here and I need a head coach or I need someone to coach with me and uh yeah it was was the best decision I made yeah he he was saying that it used to be like you'd coach a class you'd both train together he coached a class you'd both train together and then it just became it sounded like it was more like a playground with some responsibilities thrown in 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 the middle somewhere as well is that fair oh yeah oh yeah it was fun that was a blast. Yeah. That was almost exactly what we did for a and while. Then, like, so when you when you go to the games, like, say, for, you you were at the games the first time, which was like the only time for a long time after that that you finished outside the top ten, um, and like just outside the top ten, um, like you came back five years in a row, finishing inside the top ten, all those with three on the podium, one time winning it. Like, when you, you've been to the games four times before you open, uh. Krypton and then when you open Krypton like is there is there one of those years that stands out to you as like a time where you felt you were going to the games and going to be competitive and fighting for the top spot rather than making it to the games like is there a point where your career turned from like turning up to like trying to take over yeah there was it it was really it was really 2015 I believe Um, things seemed to start lining up a little bit more i wasn't injured when i was competing so i think that was the first year in like the whole time that i've been competing that i wasn't injured at the games um and i also realized that year that if i wanted to be really competitive at the games i needed to just train yeah um so i i was willing to you know sacrifice coaching and i was had the ability to have adam there who was coaching the majority of the classes and took over a large you know, coaching role and we had other coaches helping us and, uh, th- you know, being able to do that and step back and realize, Hey, if I really want to go for this, I need to dedicate all of my time and my energy towards it. And that's what I did that year and the next year. Um, so I had, that was probably the best, you know, I was the best version of myself those two years. And it showed out on the competition floor yeah. because I was the most focused towards that competition and everything went in, everything was channeled into that one that one place uh, and it seemed to work out you know really well out, out on the floor too yeah and like are you aware say in 2015 are you aware like obviously there's a lot of noise around the fact that rich wasn't going to be competing and that it was going to be different and that there was going to be i guess like a vacuum um at the at the very top and then i suppose a lot of people expected oh well matt's just going to step into that and he's going to be the next like that was just the, I think the thing that people thought at the time obviously like present company accepted I'm assuming you didn't think that um but like 
do you do you notice all that noise around you are you because you mentioned earlier on that you're so focused that you'd forget your own birthday so like are you aware of the fact that like you know rich isn't going to be there that 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 increases your likelihood of your hard work or your or your specific work focus only on this for this year paying off more than obviously it's another hurdle to overcome if he is there and is it like not easier but like does it shift your mindset towards like you know maybe taking it an extra bit seriously because it's more within reach yeah so i would say i went to the games that year believing i could win and not just believing i could win but like knowing i could win and sure i think rich not being there had a factor in it but i always love competing against rich um i would have liked it if he was there in 2015 you know just is what it is but yes that he left i felt like i could this was all right this is my year it didn't change my training or anything it just it just changed my belief in myself going into the games which i think is important you have to you have to believe that if you don't believe you can win the games you shouldn't try it like you shouldn't really try to go to the games to win you're just going to the games to compete and then like I said that the the first two days, like Matt had like quite a big points tally at the end of the first two days. Are you still like, well, anything can happen. I know I can still yeah. win it. Or are you like, all right, well, I'm an underdog now and I'm going to thrive in that position. Like, does your mindset stay consistent throughout the weekend or does it like, are there ups and downs over the course of the weekend? Yeah. What I, I think I bombed like the second event, the sandbag event, whatever they had, like some sandbag event I was really excited for made a stupid like tactical mistake and kind of bombed that workout. And then something just, I went back to the hotel and I just like, my mindset just switched and I'm like, I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm not going to let that, that's not going to happen anymore. And the whole rest of the weekend, I was just in a different, different focus, a different channel. And it was just go as hard as you can at that event, make everybody chase you and just, just very, very, very laser like focused on one event at a time not focusing on the outcome later on the weekend, not focusing on past events or future events. It was just one, one event at a time and chip away at it. And yeah. And you just see it play out like a story as you go through it, you know, and I was just watching the story from, you know, from a separated viewpoint. I wasn't, I wasn't in, I wasn't focused in the moment, like letting emotions control me or anything. It was just, it was very, it was a very cool experience. Something that I hadn't experienced before when I was competing. Um, and haven't quite had again since then. Yeah. I'd like to get back to that. And you're, so the sandbag event, I've, so I've heard people say that it's the events that they go in excited about that usually trip them up. Is that like, is that what happened there where you were just like not overly confident, but like weren't uh, cautious enough maybe, or didn't, didn't do. Yeah. yeah. I would definitely wasn't cautious enough. I was trying, I think I took a little risk trying to carry too many at once. And it just, I just took too much, way too much time. And it just kind of, uh, was a dumb mistake. Yeah. Um, it worked out okay in the end. (laughs) Yeah, it did. It did. (laughs) Yeah. Um, in 2019, then you, uh, extended your, your qualification streak, um, just like extraordinary really when you look at it on paper it's just ridiculous how many times you've been there is just crazy uh just the consistency like were you surprised uh like how did you find out that you were getting a wild card and what was what's your reaction when they reach out and say like oh you, uh, we want you to come are you like okay great or you know like how, like because i just assumed that if someone's a really strong competitor 
as you are and then you get a wildcard invite is there like any kind of tinge of like oh, i kind of would like to qualify through you know the the normal means like the com- mm. competitive means i guess or because it has my team was such an anomaly are you like well fuck it people are there from wherever who like you know have they're gonna be out after that first event anyway so i might as well go mm. Mm. that's true um no i mean i felt like i was ready to compete i mean i felt like i could have thrown down this year you know I was, I was back behind the scenes coaching and I felt like I was, I wanted to jump out on the floor and compete. I mean, I was ready to go. Um, Same thing with that year. You know, I felt like I was ready to go and I was, I was very happy that the community kind of like rallied behind it and pushed me to have that opportunity. That was, you know, again, very blessed to be able to have that opportunity, but no, it was, it was cool. They told me the weekend before. Okay. Classic. It was like a couple days before I had to leave. So yeah, it was like, I had no clue, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm a good, I'm, I fly by the seat of my pants sometimes. So I'm, I'm okay with that. I don't like pl- making plans and all that stuff. So yeah. I'm good. I'm good to go. I'm ready to throw down. Um, semifinals this year, you were at um, Mac and you had, you know, Adam was there, which is obviously nice. Like that's a nice, uh, nice friendly face to yeah. look across and try and dominate. Um, and then like, you know, Justin Medeiros and Hopper and there's a few other like I guess exciting talents or newer talents coming up as well um Mm -hmm. how did semi-finals compare to regionals for you yeah I think I think I we just hadn't competed in a while it had been a while since I've been on the floor and I learned that a couple events in you know and it's like all right now I see now I see the intensity and again and I see what it is again so it was good to be out there but it just had, it had been a while since I had competed. So, um, yeah, com- the field was really strong there. Like the, the other guy, I mean, the other guys were, uh, on point that weekend too. So, um, I'm glad I competed there. I, you know, it is what it is. I finished 10th rather than fifth, but, um, you know, it's just five pounds here or there, five yeah. seconds here or there, just a very little difference. So does that make it easier or harder when it's such What's a small, that? like when it's such a small margin? I mean, probably a little bit harder, but, uh, it is what it is. Everybody, the field's getting better. The field's getting stronger and the times are getting tighter and every second counts. So, yeah. Um, is it, is semifinals like the process, say like the, the new, um, qualification with like the open quarters, semifinals, and then obviously the semifinals events, you'd be hopeful that next year there'd be like bigger crowds and you know, that it'll be less, I guess, uh, caution around health and all that kind of shit um but like what did it feel did it feel like um did it feel like regionals did it feel like something totally different did it feel like a familiar no, I thought it, yeah i thought it felt like regionals i thought it felt very similar i like that format I, i'm glad they went back to that yeah. um it's weird they had that couple years in between where it's just a little awkward but i'm i'm real glad that i think they settled in to find finally find something that works and it just happened to be what they were doing before so yeah. Sometimes you got a good thing, don't mess it up, you know. But um, it felt like regionals to me, yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah, you're someone who'd know, I suppose. You've been to regionals <laughs> enough. I've been to a couple. Yeah. Um, most recently, you mentioned there people would have seen you coaching uh, Laura at the games, um, and I know you took on your work with Brandon Swan as well. Um, when did that? I suppose like that style of coaching become something that you're interested in, like you know that like top one percent uh 
coaching as opposed to say coaching class at Krypton or, or doing like, you know, uh, larger group online coaching, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, last what October or something like that, I just kind of was something that I thought about. I'm like, I need a someone, I need a training partner. I need someone that, you know, to push, uh, push the boundaries with kind of back and forth so we can work together. And I had worked with Laura before and, um, I think she had always wanted to come here and train and it just seemed to work out really well. So, and, uh, Brandon was just someone I reached out to because I'd talked to him a few times in the past before. And I think he was looking for a program or he was just leaving his program, like the program that he had built and he was a dad too. So we just kind of related on that level. Like, Hey, we really want to give it a shot this year to try to qualify and go to the games another time. We're in similar like life situations, that kind of thing. And yeah, I was like, Hey, I'm, I got this programming. You want to follow what we're doing we can share times and you know have conversations back and forth whatever and just seem to work well so yeah he's a life guy as well brandon he is yeah 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 for sure he's a life guy opposite sides of the globe yeah yeah i guess yeah you're waking up to his times and he's going to Mm -hmm. sleep with yours yeah i guess that's that's the only downside um what was it like being uh at the games and not like pulling on your knee sleeves and walking out yourself like was it weird like i guess the whole the sole focus has to be on laura and like helping her in any way possible to do whatever like you know taking everything away from her so all that she has to focus on is like exactly what she has to do next walking onto the floor like Mm -hmm. so i guess your your role changes so dramatically from the last time you were there where you were the sole focus of somebody else and you were the one that like couldn't have any noise or distraction or anything needing to focus mm-hmm. on what was going on is it it was it difficult being there and being around that environment and like being someone helping someone else rather than being doing it yourself i really enjoyed it i thought it was uh i thought it was a great experience i really enjoyed helping laura because she seemed she was so focused that weekend her mindset was in the right space um it was almost like it felt inevitable, you know, yeah. uh, that she was good, that she was going to do really well. And, uh, you know, I knew what I was there for. I was the bag carrier. I was the person giving her whatever she needed, drinks, food, whatever. Uh, so that was my role. And then, uh, just to kind of keep things light and fun and, and we had a good time and she crushed it. So, uh, it was a really cool experience on my part, like, um, like being able to sit back and, and watch it from a different point of view. And it, I think it helps me if I do want to try it again next year to have a good perspective from the outside when I'm competing on the floor, you know? So I think it's a net positive in the end. Well, again, it worked out all right for her. Um, Mm -hmm. What are the major changes then in perspective? So say like having been an athlete competing and then having helped someone else, like you said that there's a change in perspective, like, or seeing from a different perspective Mm -hmm. will help. Like what, what are the specifics that you were like, Oh, I didn't realize this was a thing or that was a thing. No, I think, I think what it did for me was I got to see again, what it was like from her perspective to go out and just crush the the competition. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I got to see it again because I, that's how I was in 2015 and 2016. I felt very comfortable. I felt very focused. I felt very, in tune with everything that was going on and there was no outside noise and to be able to see her do it inspired me to like, all right, I'm, I've see, I see again what I need to do. 
And for the last however many years I've been going to the games, I've maybe been distracted here or there. I've had other commitments or things going on. Or I haven't made the correct sacrifices to, you know, uh, stay in that moment during that time. So it, that's kind of the perspective that I think it, it, it showed me again, which yeah. was really cool. Yeah. Um, I saw a few jobs about, uh, the word beige being knocked around and like, maybe I can't, I can't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Well, whatever CrossFit. Yeah. CrossFit is what it is. But like there is a, there isn't a balance like, okay. You're you, it's probably something you've never suffered or you, maybe, I don't know if you were ever aware of it before, like now before working with her, but like, it does lean heavily towards the American, like American or American based athletes, I guess, like the kind of coverage and, and I get it because the large proportion or the large population of CrossFit fans and like, you know, attendees are American. So I get it, but like, it must be annoying when like you're coaching an athlete and I don't know how, how much attention you were paying to what was going on around, but like when you're seeing like, other people being interviewed after events or when you're seeing like other people getting like loads of screen time or loads of like talk and stuff. And she's like being so consistent and like proving that the last time she was on the podium wasn't a fluke and proving that like she's overcome a difficult few years, like physically and mentally, like she's overcome a lot of hurdles to get to where she is now. And then, you know, like, beige is dropped and like you know just a lack of coverage and stuff like it must be it must be really annoying um yeah uh so who do you think they cover like who who is it that you're saying that they covered this year or they focused on well like like you said not not american or not uh you say american athletes no well I, i okay there's household names that regardless every year they're, they're the they're the so like the daughters uh tia and then there's a, american athletes tend to get like they tend to get more uh more hours on screen with there more minutes on screen from okay. like from from my perspective as a european fan watching like okay like say the pig flip event mm-hmm. tia wins it like comfortably Mm-hmm. And Emma, an Irish athlete, is in second place, and it's like I just feel like there's a there's a there's a a clamor to be like, what superlatives can we use to describe Tia in these moments where she's crossed the finish line? And it's like, okay, like if you just look over her shoulder, there's like another athlete trying, like they're just about to finish the work, and then it's like, mm-hmm. and Tia's, just, oh no, there's Emma McQuaid across the line. Anyway, back to Tia, you know, like it's. Mm-hmm. And like, I get it because she's like so dominant and she's like the poster child and she like, she is incredible. And I don't mean to take anything away from her or like, I'm not saying she's not deserving of the spotlight or anything like that, but I do feel like there's a, a an unfair level of coverage towards some people than other people. Uh, and I don't think it's like, I don't think they look at Laura and say like, oh, screw her. Like we won't bother showing her. I don't think it's specific to her. I think it's just that there's a, a click and if you're not in the click that HQs or the media team or whoever is involved in deciding who gets screen time or who gets coverage, if you're not in that click, then 
you're going to be an afterthought throughout the weekend. Like I, mm. I just kind of, and I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe it's not like that. Maybe it's unfair to say I think, that. I think the media team picks who they want to cover for sure. Yeah. I, I kind of feel yeah. like before a heat, they're like, okay, who's going to win? Who's probably going to win this heat? Right. Get, get a camera in that lane. And then if, if it's not Tia or if it's not Justin or Pat or someone who we think is going to win that heat, then also get a camera in their lane because they're likely to be a close threat to the person that we now think is going to win the heat. And then they sure. adjust on the fly if they need to. Whereas it's kind of like, you know, you, you've got a wide camera there. Why not zoom out like and show us everyone? Yeah, like there should be, uh, yeah. So you should be able to look at the field and watch the athletes go from a wider point of view. And you can tell who's doing well. Oops, sorry. You can tell who's doing well and who has momentum in the workout. Mm. And you get to see judges' you hands. Tell, you get to see, you I know, mean, like, it's, it's not that difficult. You mm. know, it seems like you can, you should be able to do that. And they just haven't quite, maybe quite figured out how to cover the events to the best of their ability, which is understandable. I mean, CrossFit's still really young, but yeah, I mean, it's hard. Like when you have a race, you should be able to see who finishes first, second, third, fourth, fifth. Like it should be able to have some sequence so that not all about you know who's getting coverage or whatever but it should cover the event truthfully and completely and not just leave random people out especially people who are very consistent and very competitive throughout the entire weekend and you know you don't tell a story about them at the end Hmm. it's like isn't that what you want as crossfit is to be as consistent as possible over the course of a weekend Hmm. i'm confused i thought that was what it was all about you know what i mean yeah no, it's about blowing one event out of the water and then, you know, finishing last on the next one and then coming back to finish first again and then finish 20th. You know, it's like, don't you want to talk about the athletes that are consistent because they're clearly doing something right and they're clearly going to be there consistently over the course of time. So you'd think you'd want to cover them, but kind of is what it is in today's age of uh, social media and telling storytelling, right? Yeah. So. I don't know. It's kind of hard. Yeah. It's definitely hard from my point of view, just because with Laura, it's like, I, uh, I saw the work she put into it. I saw how consistent and how focused and driven she was and what she's come back from. And it's like, it's a great story. You should tell it. That's all. Do you use it as fuel then? Are you kind of like, like, do you talk to her about that side of it? As in like, like, I mean, we, I, I mentioned it like after the whole thing was over, but yeah. 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 Um, does it annoy you when, as her coach, when people mention handstand push-ups, does it annoy me? No, she's fine. She'll get through some handstand push-ups. Yeah, it annoys me when I watch it. That... Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it annoys me that they maybe they focus on it all the time. Like, okay, I mean, every every athlete has strengths and weaknesses. But it's even it's, it's a like... perceived weakness. It's like you know, like I've spoken to her about it, and she's like, you know, obviously I'm working on it. It's something that I'm working, but like I'm willing to bet she's still better than a large proportion of the field at handstand pushups. Like there's probably, yeah. yeah, there's five or six or seven or eight that are better than her at them. But like, there's still other people below her. It's not like she can't do one and she's just going to like flail around and embarrass herself, like not being able to do a single one. And that's it. Yeah, like, no. you know, I don't, I don't know. I just find it. Yeah. Like, and I, An- I annoying maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And I also like, I love the media. Like I love what they do 
like parts of what they do. And I, and I, I don't mean to like, I'm not slating them or well, I'm probably am, but I don't intend to be. And like, I know people that work that are contracted with the media team that for like different things, I don't know anyone on the broadcast crew. Um, but like, yeah, I just, I just think like, just sometimes I think it's not fair. Like sometimes I think it's like, you know, say the, the most coverage I saw Laura getting over the entire weekend, like the most consistent coverage in an event, she was on a fucking skier. And it's like, what am I watching here? Like mm-hmm. I'm watching her like bending up and down for, like the, the cameras in front of her. And I'm just watching her head going up and down on a skier for whatever it was, 400 meters. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's not where I want to see her. Like, that's not, that's not the screen time I want her to have. It's like, this is boring. Zoom out, show me the whole rig. There's, there's people doing other stuff. Like, let me see what the gap is between all the different lanes. I haven't seen mm-hmm. Emma Quaid in like 10 minutes. Can I not see her doing anything? Do you know, it's like, now is not the time to be showing me Laura on screen when she's just on a skier for 400 meters. Like, show me, show me her getting on the skier. Show me her getting off the skier. I do not need to see the middle section there where it's just a monotonous, repetitive movement of <laughs> nothing. Like, you know, or show me her screen at least so I can see like how far in she is into it. Like, you know, I just think... Yeah, that'd be cool if they had like a screen with everybody's everybody's stats on it where they are in the in the race yeah, right? like, they, they, they can had some similar with the marathon road i mean they? we're being nit, we're being nitpicky and just oh, critiquing things they could do yeah. better you know but i mean isn't that the point of these podcasts but yeah yeah um yeah i mean it is what it is it can obviously improve but there's things they do well and there's definitely things they can improve on but yeah i mean knowing like knowing athletes strengths and weaknesses going into events as like the announcers would help would definitely be helpful uh to be able to follow the event but you know i don't know what goes into all that but yeah me neither maybe having yeah like uh i don't know having like other people's point of view like being able to talk with other people or other coaches or other uh other athletes to get a different perspective so that they're not just focused on one person or whatever throughout the race would be probably be helpful yeah um especially if they're trying to grow crossfit in those other countries like it's doing all right in america you know like i don't know how well it's doing in like Suriname or whatever you know like maybe they could pick mm-hmm. like somewhere else mm-hmm. like okay there was probably no one there from Suriname but you know what I mean mm-hmm. um you mentioned their other yeah, they should sorry go on yeah no they should give they should just give coverage to athletes the athletes that do well you know I mean you should be able to follow someone if they finish first second or third an event like you should be able to follow them through it and they should discuss it and talk about it and maybe tell a little story but they have to have all that information laid out beforehand so I'm sure there's yeah. some planning that goes into it and that's why you might see them talk about one athlete more than another because they're planning to to they have pl- uh, what they think is going to be the case and then when it doesn't go that way it looks a little awkward maybe to us you know yeah yeah um you mentioned other athletes and other coaches there like training houses are uh starting to become i guess part of the narrative of the sport where you've got these it's almost like you know formula one where you've got these different like hubs uh and different athletes like affiliating to these hubs and even moving there in some cases like um you got like you know comp train improving and training think tank and underdogs is there a likelihood of there being a uh, like a krypton crew i was trying to think of superman references that you could call and the only one i could think of was fortress of solitude and i was like that doesn't make any sense with what it is because that would just be ben on his own uh-huh no i've been there it's not as fun <laughs> um yeah i mean we have a we have a great crew that trains with us and uh you know that's when hoping maybe laurel come here we can continue to to train together and grow but you know uh that's what we have krypton athletics i do my programming i offer my programming online for people who want to either be competitive or just train so we got a bunch of different online programming options but we have a good group here good crew that trains with us um 
sure, maybe they're not like games level athletes, but we have fun. That's what it's about. Mm. We enjoy it. We push each other. Um, so Alec is home after, well, he's, I suppose he was in New York and then Nashville and then, you know, Dane's knocking around as well. Is that going to ramp up that like competitive atmosphere between the three of you then? Oh, absolutely. We just trained this morning and that was a, that made the workout a lot harder when you finish your last, you know, you're finishing your last set, you look over and Dane's walking to the bars, you're walking to the bar. You're like, all right, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta try to beat Dane now. So, oh yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a big push and, and it's huge having those guys around and I love having them around. So like that was, that's why like last few years, like Alec had left, uh, Dane went off. Dane was, a, Dane went to be a firefighter. I didn't see him a lot. Mm. Uh, Adam was so focused with his family and coaching and then he was moving out. It was like, I was kind of, you know, I didn't have anybody to really train with me. Um, so it's really cool having everybody coming back and, and getting the, getting the gang back together, you know? <laughs> do you have to pick like when you work out against them? Like, do you have, cause obviously you could slip into like, you know, over being overly competitive. Cause I know like, some training houses have like they only partner certain people together and then maybe do an all in like kind of competitive workout, like maybe once a week, maybe like twice. a week. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you, oh, do, I don't know. Do you just like hit accelerate every time? I mean, no, no. <laughs> uh, but it's, it, it's, you're competitive no matter what, like if you're doing intervals and you're just doing intervals with a partner, like you're still, you're still going harder because they're with you or they're yeah. next to you or they're going after you it's like you're setting the pace, you're going a little bit harder. It just helps you keep the intensity just a touch higher, you know? And then, uh, a lot of, yeah, I mean, we go hard in a lot of our training, but, um, yeah, a lot of our training is some of our training is paced out and it's skill work or things like that, but all of it helps when you're just surrounded by other people that, you know, bring that out of you or you help bring that out of them. Yeah. So I mean, you're around other people that are good. You're going to, you're going to get better. That's true. Um, is, individual competition something that you're keen to push yourself towards still or like say coaching laura at the games and you know with you mentioned other responsibilities and stuff is that like mm -hmm. focus shifting a little bit or do you like are we expecting one more year basically is what i'm asking we'll both be at the games next year competing nice and are you gonna so that's gonna be tricky then coaching her and competing how how uh, like how are you anticipating <laughs> I, balancing that out? yeah i'm not I, i'm not we're both going to be competing so that's all i know okay okay yeah. um that's exciting okay yeah. um all season events are lining up like we're kind of developing just sort of like a monthly pattern developing with like you know you've got like rogue and then filthy in november dubai probably in december like water blues in january like and then the open is coming back is like are, are you uh kind of planning out any of those kind of things or is that like do you just kind of take those opportunities as they arise i guess i'd love to do rogue if i got an invite and uh i was healthy enough to compete i'd love to do that that's kind of what i've been training for for a while if i get so kind of like preparing and being prepared if the opportunity comes up that's where i am right now um, I don't know. We'll see about Wadapalooza. Maybe we'll do a little team brother team thing. Oh, fuck. That would so be cool. cool. Maybe we'll see. We might bring it back. Um, outside of that, I'm going to stay focused on those couple things and go to the games next year. Yeah. Be, we'll see. Yeah. Please do that, Wadapalooza. That would be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's always that. a fun competition. We always enjoy going down there. So, yeah. so if we ever, if we make it there, 
a lot of times our flights canceled we had to like drive down or something <laughs> um okay well, look we'll finish with a quick fire so i have um they're all either or um so ski Great. or row row uh clean or snatch snatch uh squat or deadlift squat that's yeah, probably a no-brainer actually um run or bike row uh rings or bar bar a dumbbell or barbell barbell coach or compete compete um alec or dane no you don't have to answer that one i'm joking oh that's mean <laughs> um <laughs> listen thanks a million uh again for giving up your yeah. time um sure i really enjoy getting to know you you're one of those like uh, uh we mentioned at the start how there isn't like a huge you don't have like a huge presence like you know you're kind of uh keep yourself to yourself for the, for the main part apart from like me and the rest of your close circle of friends obviously um yeah, yeah, yeah. so i think it's always great when you meet someone that kind of don't disappoint what you expect them to be like um so it's been it's been great getting to chat to you um and yeah i'm excited i'm i really hope you have the problem of figuring out how to compete at the games and coach someone else at the games because i think that would be there as you mentioned that's a story that should be told um so yeah no i'm 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 hopeful for your season. I hope you get the invite to Rogue as well. It'd be great to see you there. Next year is going to be fun. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate the time. No problem. Anytime. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I'll tag in some stuff when it comes out. Um, and I, I really do appreciate you coming on. It's It's been great. Um, yeah. So enjoy your the rest of your day and the, the brotherly... Yes. Fuck, I nearly, said, I nearly said brotherly bondage. <laughs> the brotherly bonding. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We're gonna we're gonna enjoy. We're gonna get some good training in, and uh, yeah, it's it's fun having them around. But hey, if you want to talk again, sometime later on the year, or early next year, whatever, let me know. Yeah.